0: the christmas carol by charles dickens part three the second of the three spirits awakening in the middle of a tough snow sitting up in bed to get his thoughts together scrooge had no occasion to be told that the bell was again upon the stroke of one he felt he restored to consciousness in the right nick of time for his special purpose of holding a conference the second magistrate dispatched to him for Jacob Marley's intervention. But finding he turned and completely cold, he began to wonder which of his curtains was new. His new spectre would draw back. So he put every side, one aside with his own hands and lying down again, established a sharp lookout all around the bed. He wished to challenge his bed on the moment of its appearance. He did not wish to be taken by surprise and made nervous. Gentlemen of the easy free and easy sort who of plume themselves, plume themselves of being acquainted with a move or two, being unusually equal to the time of day, express the wide range of the capacity for venture by observing that they are good for anything from pitch to, and toss to manslaughter, between which opposite extremities, no doubt, it lies a tolerable wide and to contract its range of subjects. Adventuring, very rotary was screwed quite as hardly as this. I don't mind calling on you to believe that he's already for a good broad field of strange appearances, and nothing between a baby and a rhinoceros would astonish him so very much. Now being prepared for almost anything he was not by any means prepared for nothing. Constantly the bell struck one, no shape appeared, he was taken with a violent fit of trembling. Four Five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet another nothing came. All this time he lay upon his bed at the very cold centre, a blaze of ruddy light, which streamed upon it, and the clock proclaimed the hour, which, being an only light, there's one more alarming a dozen ghosts had powers to make out what it meant or would be at was sometimes was sometimes apprehensive what it might be at a very moment an and interesting case of spontaneous combustion, by having the consolation of knowing it. Alas however, you began to think, as you and I would have, thought at first, for it always a person not a predicament, who knows what ought to have been done in it? would well, the have done it too? Alas I say he began to think that source of secret his ghostly light might be a joining room from whence of further tracing it, it seemed to shine, this idea taking full possession of his mind, so he got up slowly, softly, <coughs> shuffled on his slippers his slippers to the door. The moment Scrooge's hand was on the lock, a strange voice, called out to him by his name, bade him enter, he obeyed. It was his own room, there's no doubt about that, but it was undergone a surprising transformation. The walls the see was so hung with living green, it looked, perfect grove that every part of its bright gleaming berries glistened, the crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light. So many little mirrors had been scattered there, such a mighty blade went roaring up the chimney, as that dull perforation that heath had ever known in the Scrooge's time of Marley's, or for many and many winter season gone. Heaped up on the floor to form a kind of throne, the turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, great joints and meat, packing picks, long wreaths of sausages, mint pies, rose plum pudding, barrels of oysters, red hot chestnuts, cherry cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, immense 12, cake, twelve cakes, and seeming pe- bowls of punch, made in chamber dim with delicious steam. In every state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, a glowing touch in shape not unlike Petty's home. Petty's home held it up high, high up to shed its light on Scrooge. He came down peeping round the court door. come in, exclaimed thedos, come in, are you know me better man? Scrooge entered timidly hung his head by the royal spirit. You not the dogged spirit Scrooge he had been, and through the spirit's eye were clear and kind. He did not like to meet them. I am the ghost of Christmas Present," said the spirit. Look upon me. Goose eventually did so. He was clothed in one simple green robe or mantle. bolded white fur, scarlet garment hung so loosely on the figure, his capitious breast was bare. Its disdaining be or concealed upon any artifice. His feet, unbeservable beneath the ample folds of garment, also bare. On like its head, it wore no other conveying covering than a holly wreath. Sat there with its hiding icicles, its dark brown curls, long and free. Free as its genial face, its barking eye, its unopened hands, cheery voice, its unconstrained demeanor, and joyful air gilded around its middle with an antique scabbard but, but no sword in it its sheath was eaten up with rust scrooge's third visitor you have never seen the likes of me before sclaims spirit never scrooge made an answer have never walked forth for the younger members of my fam- family meaning that i am very young my older brother's born in these later years pursued the pantom i don't think i have said scrooge i'm afraid i have not have you many brothers spirit more than 1800 said the ghost turned to his family to fly forth not scrooge. Goes to scrooge Ghost, to christ present rose spirit said scrooge says mr you conduct me where you like will. i went forth last night on compulsion i learned a lesson which is working now tonight you ought to teach me. You they... <coughs> ought to teach me. Then we profit by it. Touch my robe. Goo did as he was told and held it fast. Holly, mistletoe, red berries, Davy, turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, feet, pigs. So did his oysters, pies, puddings, fruit, and punch. All ended in instantly. So did the room, the fire, the goodly robe. The hour of night. He stood in city streets on Christmas morning, where, for the weather was severe, people made it rough but brisk, but an unpleasant kind of music and scraping the uh, snow pavement in front of their dwellings. From the tops of the houses, whence like, delight to the boys to see it came plumbing down into the road below, bedding into the artificial little snowstorms. House fronts looked black enough, the windows blacker, contrasting the white, smooth white sheet of snow on the roots, a dirty snow upon the ground. At least as put it, last put it had been piled up the deep furrows by the heavy wheels of carts and wagon furrows and crossed, recrossed each other hundreds of times where the great streets branched off and made intricate channels hard to trace in the thick yellow mud and icy water. sky was glooming and streets were choked up with a dingy mist Half fired half frozen, whose heavier particles descended in showers of sooty anthems, as if all the chimneys in Great Britain had, in one cons- consent, caught fire and were blazing away to their dear hearts' content. And nothing very cheerful in the climate of the town, yet was there air of cheerfulness, with which the clearest summer. Clearest summer air, uh, uh, brightest summer uh, than. Oh, I have endeavoured to fuse in vain. For the people were just shoveling way in the hilltop, tops of jovial, full glee, calling out to one another on the parapets, and now even exchanging a fatuous snowball. Better natured, missile far, then were only a wordy jest. Laughing heartily, it went right and not less. Partly if it went wrong. Pulcherers, shops were still half open. Floaters were radiant in their glory. A great round belt-bellied basket of chestnuts shaped like waistcoats of jolly old gentlemen, lolling at the doors and tumbling out in the street. They had a poly- o- ambulance. ambulance, A ruddy, brown-faced, brewed grafted Spanish onions shining in the frackness, a growth like furnished fires, winking from the shelves of wanton shyness of the gills went by and glanced in moonly hung up the mistletoe, their pears and apples clustered high in blooming pyramids, their bunches of grapes made in the shopkeeper's benevolence to dangle from capitious hooks, their fair little mouths make water gracious as they pass their piles of fil- filberry birds, mossy and brown recalling them of their fragrance. ancient walks among the forest woods, Peasants shuffling ankle deep through the withered leaves, there was north-foot bun- t- buffins, and squawly, setting off the yellow of or the oranges and lemons, the great cap- compactness of their juicy persons, as entreating and beseeching to be carried home in paper bags, eaten after dinner. Very gold and silver fish set forth among these choice fruits in a bowl, through members of dull, and stagnant bloodied race, appeared to know there was something going on, and the fish went round and round and round, a little world in slow and passionate excitement. The grocers oh the grocer's nearly closed with perhaps two shutters down or one, but oh have got such those glaps such while alone the scales descending on the counter made a merry sound, of white twine and roller party company so briskly while the canisters were rattled up and down like royal juggling tricks even a blended scents of tea and coffee so grateful to the nose even the raisins was so plentiful rare almonds so streamy white with sticks of cinnamon so long and straight and other spices so delicious canned fruits so caked and spotted with bolted sugar as to make coldest bone lookers oh and feel faint and so rebellious. Nor was it that the figs were moist and plumpy. The French plums blushed in most tiredness, their highly decorated boxes, as something, everything was good to eat in its Christmas dress. The customers were not all so hurried and so eager, hopeful, promise of the day. They tumbled up against each other at the door, crushing their wicket baskets wildly, and left their purchases upon the counter, and came running back to fetch them, committed hundreds. A little mistakes the best humor possible while gross and these people with so frank and fresh polished hearts with which they fasten their aprons crying make the baby in their own torn outside for general inspection from christmas drew at girls. the peckett if they choose But soon the steepness, but soon the steeples called good people to all, as church and chapel away they came, flocking through the streets, in their best clothes and their gayest faces. same time we emerged from scores of boy streets, lanes, and nameless turnings, innumerable people carrying their dinners to the baker's shop. It's like the sight that their revelers appeared to interest the spirit very much. He stood with Scrooge beside him, Baker's doorway, taking off the covers as their bearers passed, wiggled insects on their dinners from his torch, a very uncommon kind of torch, and once or twice when there were angry words between some down the car- carriers, they adjusted each other, he shed a few drops of water on them from it. The good humour was restored directly. From what they for they say it was a shame to quarrel upon Christmas Day. So it was good. God love it, so it was. And time the bells ceased and the bakers were shut up, yet there was a single a genial shadowing forth. All their dinners, these dinners in progress, their cooking, their forward blotch of wet above each burger's oven. Their pavement smoked as if stones were cooking too. Is there a peculiar favor in which you sprinkle your torch, asked oh, Scrooge? There, my own. Would you apply to any kind of dinner this day, said Scrooge, to any kind of given, to the poor one most? Why, to the poor one most, said oh, Scrooge, because it is the most that needs most spirit. said Scrooge. After a moment's fault. I wonder you, all the beings in the many worlds about us, should have desired to clamp these people's opportunities in instant enjoyment. Aye, cried the spirit, would you provide them of their means of dining, Every seventh day often the only day in which they can be said to dine at all. That's good, wouldn't you? Aye, said quite spirit. You seek the two clothes these places on the seventh day, said Scrooge. It comes at the same time. I seek, exclaimed Spirit. Forgive me if I am wrong. been done in my na- your name, or at least that of your family, said Scrooge. And you are some upon the earth of yours, Retire Spirit they claim to know us who by deeds of passion pride ill will hatred envy bigotry selfishness and our name are estranged from us and our keith and our king if they never lived remember that and charge their doings on themselves not us scrooge promised that he would and went on invisible as they had been before in our suburbs of the town the mark of quality of the ghosts which Scrooge observed at Baker's, notwithstanding joint its gigantic size, the itself at any place with ease, got beneath a low roof, quite as gracefully and like a supernatural creature as it was possible he would have done in any lofty hole. Perhaps it was a pleasure that good spirit had in showing off his power, or else it was his own kind, generous, hardy nature, sympathy with all these poor men, led straight to Scrooge Clark. But there he went and took Scrooge with him, holding him to his robe, and the first shoulder door the spirit smiled, stopped to bless Bob Cratchit's wedding, speaking and torch. Think of that! Bob had been put fifty, but fifteen bob a week himself, probably on Sundays, Fridays, and fifteen copies of Christmas name, and yet the ghost Chris, Chris, of Christmas present blessed his poor roomed house. Then up rose Miss Cratchit, Cratchit's wife, dress up out but podium twice turned ground but braving ribbons. There's a cheek made a gloody show of sixpence. He laid the cloth, says my Beff Beth Belinda Cratchit, second of the daughters, also braving cut, cut ribbon ribbons. Well Master Peter cratchit plunged the folk in the saucepan of potatoes, getting the corners of his munchers shirt on by the private property comf- conferred upon his son there in honour of the day and his mouth rejoiced for himself so gently retired and yearned to show his linen and the fashion parts now two small a boy and girl came tearing in screaming outside the baker's they had smelt the goose and known it was their own a basking in the glorious faults of the and onion his young crutchets danced about the table exalted master peter crutchett disguised while he not proud although his colors nearly choked him blew the fire until the slow potatoes bubbling up not loudly the and need to be out there out peeled what was ever what has ever put your precious father got your precious father then said mrs tratchett your brother tim Toy him and martha wouldn't it be late last christmas day by well, half an hour Here's Martha, mother, said the girl, peering out as she spoke. He is Martha's mother, cried the two young Cratchits. Hurrah, oh, oh, it's such a moat goose, Martha. Why oh, bless you are alive, my dear. How late you are, said Miss Cratchit, kissing her a dozen times. Taking off a shawl sure, and bonnet for her with officious seal. Oh it'd be a deal. We had a deal what to finish up last night, cried the girl. Had a clear way this morning, mother well never mind so long as you won't come let me touch it sit you down before the fire my dear have a warm lot now lord christmas lord bless you no no there's father coming cried the two young tratches, who where who were everywhere at once Hi, martha hide and martha hid up myself and in came little bob and father at least three feet of comfortable exclusive for the fringe, hanging down before him, his fair bare clothes darned up and brushed to look seasonable. Tiny Tim upon his shoulder, lass of tiny Tim. You bought a little crutch and his limbs supported by the own frame. Why, where's your mouth? I cried Bob Cratchit, looking around. Not coming, said Missus Cratchit. Not coming, said Bob, with sudden dis- dis- his Spirits for he had been tiny Tom's Tim's blood horse all the way from church had come home rampant. Oh, come in, poor Christmas day. Marvin did not like the to see him to If it was only a joke, she came out promptly, protruding, hiding under the closet door, ran into his arms. The two young crutches hustled. Tied him and bore him off into a wash house and might bear his pudding singing in a cup of. So he might hear the poet pudding singing in a cup of. And how did you like? How did little Tim behave? asked Miss Hatch- Ratchet, when she rallied Bob on his credulity. And Bob hugged his daughter at his heart's content. As good as gold, said Bob. Better, somehow he know, thinks, gets out so thoughtful sitting by himself so much. Thinks the strangest things he's ever heard. Tell me, coming home, he you hoped know, the people saw him in his church because he was a cripple. It might be pleasant for them to remember on Christmas Day there made lame but beggars walk a blind men see bob's voice was tremendous then when he told them this he trembled more than he said the tiny Tim was growing strong and hearty. his active little crutch was purred upon the floor and back came tiny Tim before that was spoken scrooted by his daughter brother and sister while he stood before the fire while bob turning up his cuffs with paul Pearl uh, were capable of being made more shabby, compounded. A hot mixture of jug and gin and lemons and stirred it round and put it on a hob to simmer. Uh, Cratchits went to fetch the goose, which they would soon return in high procession, procession. Such a bustle ensued that they might have thought the goose, a various old birds, a fe- feathered phenomenon. To which a black swan was about, of course. In truth, something very like it in that house. Miss H- Quetchit made the gravy ready for forehand and little saucepan. Hissy hot, Master Peter mashed the potatoes with, with incredible vigour. Miss Belinda sweetened up the apple sauce. Martha dusted the hot plates. Bob took Tony Tim beside him in the tiny corner of the table. Two young Quetchit set chairs for everyone, but forgetting themselves, mounted guard upon the post. Gracious spoons to them else, least they should shriek for a jo- goose. Roddy turn came to be helped. Last, the dishes were set on, Gracious said, succeeded by breathless pulls. Miss Cratchit, looking slowly, only slowly all along the carving knife, prepared a plunge in it the best. But as she did, when the long expected gush of stuffing issued forth, all mumbled like the rose all above the round gold. Even Tiny Tim was slightly bed. Two young Cratchits beat the table to handle with his knife and feebly cried, Hurrah! It was never such a bird, Bob said. Didn't believe there was ever such a bird who was cooked. Tenderness of flavour, size, and cheapness the themes of the universal memoration, eat up by apple sauce and mashed potatoes, it was different at dinner for the whole family, indeed. As Miss Cratchit said, great delight, serving, laying one small atom of the bone upon the dish. He hadn't ate had at all what we asked. Yet, only each one of them, every one had enough. The youngest Scratches were in particular, was steeped and stage and the eyebrows. And now the plates being changed. And Miss Belinda, Miss Cratchit, left the room alone, too nervous to bear witness, take the pudding and up and bring it in. Suppose it would not be done enough. Suppose it would break in turning out. Suppose everyone would not get over the wall to the backyard and stolen it. I don't know why made merry, because suppose it were two young crutches, became livid. All sorts of horrors suppose. Hello. Hello, great deal of steam. The pudding was out from copper. smelled like a washing day. It was cloth that smelled like an eating house. Pastry cooks next door to each other. I mean, it's was no dress. dress. Next door to that. There's pudding and half a minute, Miss Cratchit entered the house, both proudly with the pudding with a speckled cannonball, so hard and firm, blazing half half cotton, lighted with brandy, but knit with Christmas honey stuck in the top. Oh, of wonderful thing, pudding Bob Cratchit said, call me too, you got it as a great success achieved by Miss Cratchit since so the wedding since so a marriage it said that now the weight was off her mind. She confessed she had uh, doubts about the quality of flour. Everyone had said something had something to say about that, but nobody said or thought it was all it was all, all a small pudding for a large family. It would have been flat, he say, to say that so. it would have blushed to hint at such a thing. At least it was all done. Um, cloth was cleared and he swept. Fire made up. Caperon and the jug being tasted. Get perfect apples and oranges and put upon the table. Shovel of chestnuts on the fire, then all the Quechit's family drew round the heath. In what Bob had called a circle, a meaning half of one. While Quetchit's elbows stood the family's laid glass, held were as a cup without a handle. They held the pot stiff stuff with a jug forever ever. As well as golden goblets would the done. Bob stood it out. The beaming looks and while well, chestnuts and fire spurted crackled noisily, and Bob hose A Merry Christmas all so, oh, that's all my dears. God bless us. Which all the family echoed, God bless everyone each everyone, said Tim, Timber last of all. He sat very close to his father's stride upon his little stone. Bob held his withered little hand at his as if he loved the child and wished to keep him by his side and dreaded that they might take him from him. Spirit says Scrooge interested you never felt before tell me sighed so tiny shim would live is he see if they could see replied the ghost in a poor chimney corner a crutch without an owner carefully preserved their shadows remain unaltered. altered by the future child would die no no sir scrooge oh no kind spirit say you'll be spared if those birdos remain unaltered by future none other than by race turned the ghost will find him there but when what then if you be like to die, you better do it. It's Greece's surplus population. Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words, quoted by the spirit, he was overcome with penitence and grief. Man said the ghost, if man be in heart, not adamant to be able to forbear, wicked can't uh, can't can't until they you discovered what the purpose is, where it is. Will you decide what men should live or what men should die? It may be in the sight of heaven, you are more worthless to live. It is fit to live with millions like this poor child. And child, oh God, who hid in sickly, for dancing to the too much life among his hungry brothers and dust, The went over to Scrooge's Grocery book. and trembling cast his eyes upon the ground. He raised him seedily, greedily, on hearing his own name. Mr. Scrooge, said Bob, I give you, Mr. Scrooge, the fan of the feast. Found it a founder of feast indeed! Cried Miss it, reddening. I wish i had him here. I'll give him a piece of my mind to feast upon. I'll be ever a good appetite for it. My dear said Scrooge. Well, the child, children, of Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day, I'm sure. She said, i know which one drinks the health for such an old stingy, hard, and thinning man as Mr. Scrooge. Now he's, he is Robert. Now he knows it better than you do, my dear fellow. My dears as Bob, Bob's mind answered, Christmas Day! "'I'll drink yourself for your sake, "'and the days,' said Miss Thatcher. "'Thatcher, but not these. "'No life to him, but Merry Christmas "'and Happy New Year. "'It'll be very merry and very happy, "'I have no doubt. "'Children drank the toast after her. "'It was first led to its eve, "'which is no hotness. "'Ten to drank at last of all. "'It cared, top of to the purpose of her. would the family. "'The mention of his name "'Cast a dark shadow in the party which was not dispelled for full five minutes. After it passed away the ten times merrier in full for the mere release of Scrooge, being full, being, done with, Bob Cratchit told him how he had a situation with his eye with the, with the master Peter, which would bring, would bring in, attained full five and six months' later. The two young Cratchits laughed tremendously at the idea of Peter's, being made a business of Peter himself, looked thoughtful at the fire from between his colours. If he were deliberating what particular investments he should favour, he came into the seat with that for wielding income. Martha was a poor apprentice of the millers, then told them what kind of work she had to do, how many hours she worked at the stretch, how she meant to lie in bed tomorrow morning for good long rest. Tomorrow being a holiday she passed at home. And you know, also, she knew how she'd seen a countless test of the Lord some days before. And how the Lord, that was a much better, was much about it, was told Peter, and which Peter pulled up his collar so high couldn't have seen his head if he had been there. All this time, the chestnuts of jug went round and round. By the by, they heard a song about the Dost child troubling snow. Tony was a plaintiff. Little, had a plaintive little voice, saying it very well indeed. Nothing to Highmark in this. They were not a handsome family, they were not well dressed. The clothes, shoes were far from being Woolproof. Clothes are scanty, Peter might have known, and very likely did, the inside of the pawnbroker's. they were happy, grateful, pleased with each other, consented at a time when they faded. And looked happy and yet in the bright sparklings of spirits that like torch part Scrooge and his eye upon t- upon them, especially on tiny Tim till the last. But this time it is getting dark and snowing pretty heavily. The Scrooge has been one along the streets in brightness, and the door kitchens and the f- fires, the kitchen piles and all sorts of rooms were wonderful here, the figure blaze showed p- preparedness, cosy dinner, hot plates baking through and through before the fire deep red curtains ready to be drawn shut out cold and darkness there were all the children in the house were running out into the snow to meet their married sisters brothers cousins uncles aunts first to greet them here again the shadows in the window blind of guests assembling in a group of handsome girls all hooded and fur booted all chattering at once tripped lightly off with some near neighbor's house where woe well, upon a single man who saw them enter Artful witches, well, they knew it in a glow. But if you judge from their numbers of people on their way to friendly, gathering, friendly, friendly gatherings, you might have thought that no one was at home to give them welcome. When they got there, instead of every house expecting company, pine up its fires it half chimney high, blessings on to it. How it goes exalted, how it bared its brief. Green leaf abreast, opened its capacious palm, and floated on, outpouring a generous hand, of bright harmless mirth, on everything within its reach. The very phantom who ran on before, dotting the d- dusty street with specks and light, who dressed to spend the evening somewhere and laughed out loudly as the spirit passed, though a little kenneled as sl- uh, late light-lamp- lamper, he had any company but Christmas. Now that word of warning from the ghosts. He stood upon a bleak desert moor, where Munch's masses rude stone were cast about, though it was a real place of giants, water wherever it itself wherever listed, would have done so, but the frost that held it prisoner, and grew nothing grew but moss and foes, and coarse rank grass. Down the western of sun left a streak of fiery red, which glared upon the desolate for an instant, a sullen eyes, frowning lower, Lower, though yet was a lost In the thick low, the darkest night. What place is this? Asked Scrooge, place where millers live, Who labour in the bowels of the earth, returned of the spirit. They, they, know, they know me, see. A light shone from the window of a hut, Swiftly advanced towards it, Passing through the wall, mud and stone, And a cheerful company assembled, Round a glowing fire, An old, old man, woman, Their children, and the children's children, the children no duration beyond, all debt out with them upon their tail. Tiny old men's voice that swelled and rose, O'er the howling wind upon the barren waste was singing them was a Christmas song. It was a very old song, even a, a boy from a time, the time we all joined in the chorus. So, surely as they raised their voices, the old men got quite blithe with was sound. So surely they stopped his vigor of stake again. The spirit did not tarry with the A bad Scrooge tore his robe, and passing on, on the moor, the bed with her, not to see, to see, the Scrooge horror. Looking back, he saw the blast of land, frightful age of rocks behind him. His ears are deafened by thundering of water, as rolled and roared and ravaged among the fearful cabins. He had worn and fiercely tried. tried to undermine the earth built upon a dismal reef of sunken rocks a league or so from the shore on which the waters chafed and dashed the wild year through there stood a solid lighthouse great heaps of seaweed clung to its base of storm birds born as when one might suppose the seaweed of water rose and fell about it like the waves they skimmed but even there two men who watched the lamp and made a fire they threw the loophole the thick stone wall tread out a ray of brightness on the altar sea joining their horny hands the rough table in which they sat they wished each other christmas in a can of grog and one of them the elder, to his face all glommaged and scarred they of their hard weather the thick of the old ship might be struck by a steady song that was like a gale itself Against the great sped on by the black that heaving sea on and on until being far away, he told screws from Money Shore, he lighted on his ship. He stood beside the hillsman at the wheel, looked out at the bow, and figures officers had to watch dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. Every man among them hummed a Christmas tune. I had a Christmas thought spoke below his breath to his companion, a bygone Christmas day with homeward hopes belonging to it. Every man on board waking. Was sleeping, good or bad, had had a kind word for another on a day when any other day or the year had shared some stent of facilities, and remembered those he cared for, a distance, and had known that they delighted to remember him. It was a great surprise to Scrooge while listening to the moaning, the wind, the thinking of that solemn thing it was, moving on through the lonely darkness over to an unknown abyss, whose depths were the secrets of. a profound and death, its great surprise to Scrooge was this engaged to hear a hearty laugh. It was a much greater surprise to Scrooge to recognise it it—his own nephews had find himself bright, dim, dry, gleaming room, bits standing smiling by the side, looking at the same nephew approving of felicity. ha ha oh, Scrooge's nephew, oh, ha ha it should happen by any unlikely chance to know a man's the best in the laugh and the his nephew all i can say is i should like to know him to introduce him to me i'll cultivate his acquaintance His fair even human handed noble judgment of fiends that while there is injection, fetching the deeds and sorrow there is nothing in the world so universally contagious as laughter and good humour Scrooge's nephew laughed at it in his way, holding his sides, rolling his head, twisting the face in the most extravagant contortions. Scrooge's niece, my marriage, laughed at it heartily. See, my we assaulted friends, being not a bit behind, roared loudly. Like ha ha ha! He said that Christmas is unbugged as he always lived. Cried Scrooge's nephew. He believed it too. What oh, a shame for him! Fred said Scrooge's niece indignantly. Bless those women. Never do anything by halves. They always in earnest. She was very pretty, seemingly pretty, and with a dimpled, surprised looking, capital face, right little mouth that seemed made to be kissed. No doubt it was all kinds of good. Little dots about the chin amounted to one another, but she laughed, a sunny pair of her eyes, no sound, and little creatures heard. No, she was what you would like to have called provoking. You know, what satisfactory too. Oh, perfectly satisfactory. He's a comically old fellow, said Scrooge's nephew. That's the truth, but not so pleasant. He might be, however, his offences carry for carrying his own punishment. I have nothing to say against him. I'm sure he's very rich, Fred, hinted Scrooge's nephew. At least you always tell me so. All of that, my dear, said Scrooge's his nephew. His wealth is no use to him. He does no, no, no good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. He has the satisfaction of thinking, ha ha, that he's ever doing to benefit us with it. Have the patience with him, observed Scrooge's niece, whose niece's sister the other ladies the same opinion. Oh, I have, said Scrooge's nephew, I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. He said, my own suffers, his all the he wins. He himself I always, he takes into his eyes to dislike us. He won't come and dine with us. as a consequence, he doesn't lose much for the dinner. Indeed, I think he does, a very good dinner. Interrupted Scrooge's niece. everyone else said the same. It might be allowed to have been competent judges, because they had just had dinner, and dessert upon the table were clustered, and the fire by lamp light Well, I'm very glad to hear it," said Scrooge in "because I have great faith in those those young housekeepers." What do you say, Topper? Topper clearly got his eye upon one of Scrooge's nieces. Now, niece. this is so. He answered what a bachelor was wretched outcast we had no right to express an opinion on the subject. It says Scrooge's niece, the plump one, the lace lap tucker, not the one with toes, is blushed. Do it, go, do go on, Fred says Scrooge's niece, clapping off her hands. He never finishes what he begins to say. He's such a ridiculous fellow. His nephews reveled, and others laughed. It's a puzzle. Keep the infection off. Ooh, the plump sister tried hard to do it with Emery vinegar. his says uncle's and sanity followed. I'm going to say, Scrooge Nathan, well, said Scrooge nephew, or Cockroach's have his taking of a dislike to us. I'll make him merry with us, and I think he loses some pleasant moments, which will do him no harm. I'm sure he loses pleasant opinions. he can find his own faults. either in his mouldy old office or his dusty chambers. I mean to give him the same chance next year, whether he likes it or not. For my pity him. He shall he may row on Christmas until he dies. He can't help thinking better of it. I defy him. He finds me getting going there. In good take me year after year gave saying Scrooge, how are you? And he puts him in the vein to leave his poor clerk fifty pounds at something. Oh, I think I shook him yesterday. So they turn a laugh now. The notion of his shaking Scrooge. But being good natured and not much caring what they laughed at. They laughed at anyway, encouraged them in merriment, and passed the bottle joyously after tea they had some they had some music for they had a, were a musical family and knew they were about. They sang a glee or catch I assure you, especially Topper, who would growl away a bass like a good one, and never swell the large veins of his forehead, get red and face over over the it, Who his playing well upon the heart. Played among other tunes as simple as it were, I mere mean, nothing you might learn to whistle in two minutes, which he had been familiar to a child who fetched Scrooge from the morning shop. Pudding school had been reminded by this ghost of Christmas past, the strain and music sounded, all the things that ghosts had shown him, came one his mind, he suffered more and more. A thought he could listen to it often years ago, he might have civilized cultivated kindness of life. And happiness of his own of his own hands that resulted of sex and slayed and buried Jacob Harney, They didn't devote the whole evening to i have only played a foot fits so for his good your children sometimes. Never better than at Christmas in mighty fun was a child himself stopped at the first game at, at Blind Man's bath. Of course there there was. No one more, more believed topper was more blind, I believe he had eyes and his boots. My opinion is that he was done things between him, the screw's nephew that the ghost of crystal present knew it. The way he went about with the plum's sister, the lady of outraged the cruelty of human nature, knocking down the iron pie irons, tumbling all the chairs, bumping against the piano, smugging himself among the curtains, wherever she went well, there he went. He always knew where the plum sister was. He couldn't catch him anyone else. If they had fallen up against him, as some of them did, he proposed he would have felt the fate of doing decision, which would have been an affront to her understanding, and instantly have settled off the direction of Plump's plump sister. She often cried out, it wasn't fair, she really was, it really was not, but at least it caught her. And when, in, in spite of all the rust, silken rustlings, the rapid flutterings had passed him, he got to her in the corner whence there was no escape. Conduct was most disrespectful, pretending not to know her, pretending that it was a necessary to touch her headdress, and further to assure himself to identify her, the pressing curtain which certain ring upon her finger, a certain chain upon her neck, was vile, monstrous, and actually told him her opinion of it. Then, while the blind man, being in the corpus, there were so many confidential, to, very confidential with her on the curtains. Guru's niece was not one of the blind men, but made comfortable with a large chair and footstool, no corner with ghosts and scrooge were close behind her. But she joined in the forfeits and love to her uh, admiration with all the letters of the alphabet. Likewise, the game of how, when, and where. She was very great, and to secret joy of Scrooge's nephew, beat her sister hollow, for though they, they were sharp girls too, Tubba would have told you, and might have been 20 people there young and old but they all played so did scrooge wholly forgetting an interest that he in. was in and what was going on his voice made no sound in his ears he sometimes came out with guests quite loud very often guests quite right too so he the best most most white trouble guarantee not cut in the way, not sharper than scrooge blunt as he took it in his head to be. The ghost was greatly pleased to find him He's in this mood. He looked upon him with his such favour. He begged like a boy to be allowed to stay till the guests departed. But his spirit said, could not be done. Here is the new game, said Scrooge. One half hour spirit, only one. His game called Yes or No, But Scrooge's nephew. Had to think of something. A rest of to find what he was only answering to their questions. Yes or No, In the case as the case was. This way, a question to which he was supposed to say, at least, at least, from him, he's thinking of an animal, large animal, rather a disagreeable animal, savage animal, animal that growled and grunted, something that talked, something that talked sometimes, and lived in London, walked about the streets, wasn't a shower show yet. I wouldn't lead by led in anyone, didn't live in the meager country. and didn't, I never killed a market. There was not a horse, or an ass, or a bull, or bull, cow, or bull, or a tiger, or a dog, or a pig, or a cat, or a bear. Every question was put to him, and if it burst into a ro- roar of laughter, so especially tickled, he was obliged to set off his subjects sort of a stamp. Last pump, sister, pulling out a similar state, cried out, I have found it out. I know what it is, Fred. I know what it is. What is it? cried Fred. You're, it's your Uncle Scrooge. Which is something than he was. Admiration was a universal sentiment. No, though some objected ply is a is a bear. Thought it had been yes, in much an answer, negative was significant to have diverted thoughts of Mr Scrooge. Supposing they had ever had any tendency that way. He has given us plenty of merriment, I am sure, said Fred. It would be ungrateful, but to drink to his health. Here is a glass of morning wine, ready to our hand at the moment, and I say uncle Scrooge. Well, Uncle Scrooge, they cried. A Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to our old man, where he is. Scrooge, nephew, you wouldn't take it from me, but I may he have it nevertheless, Uncle Scrooge. I Scrooge, and pepperily becomes so gay and light of heart, he would not have pledged that the unconscious company return. Paint him an audible speech, goes to give him time. The whole scene passed up with a breath of it. The last words showed the my nephew. His spirit will again upon their troubles. Much they saw, and went, they went. far they went. More homes they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sick beds, and they all were cheerful, foreign lands. They were all close at home, but strong men. They were patient, and they were great to hope. By poverty it was rich. In Elm's house, hospital and jail, misery, every refuge, where vain man and little brief authority, not made fast the door and bowed the spirit out. He left his blessing and taught Scrooge's best steps. A long night, it's only a night, but Scrooge had his doubts listen because the Christmas holidays appeared to be condensed, base of time, it passed together. It's strange too that while Scrooge remained unaltered, his outward form, girls grew, grew older, much clearly older. Scrooge deserved this change, but never spoke of it, until the last the children's twelfth night party. When he looked in the spirit, they stood together, no open place, as his hair was grey. My spirit's life so short? else oh, Scrooge. My life has globe is very brief, I'll oh, ghost. It ends tonight, tonight's oh, Scroo- night, Scrooge. Night and midnight, hark, the time is drawing near. Times are ringing three quarters past eleven. At that moment, forgive me. If I am unjustified in what I ask, said Scrooge. Looking intently at the spirit's robe, I see something strange and not belonging to myself, trimming from your foot, skirts. Is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw for the flesh there is upon it, said the spirit's full, fearful, reply. Look here. But finding his robe, it brought two children wrenched, abject, frightful, heedlessly miserable, and he down its feet and clung upon the in- outside its garment. Oh man, look here, look down here, exclaimed the ghost. There bur, a boy and girl, yellow, merry mar- merge, mage, ragged, scowling, wolfish, put too, in humility. imminity. A graceful youth should have filled their features out, touched their freshest tints, stale and shriveled hand like that of age and pinched and twisted them, pulled them in shreds. Where angels might have been, have thrown devils lurked and glared, out menacingly. No change, no degradation, no perversion of humanity, any grade. Through all the mysteries of wonderful creation, has amongst as half the horrible dread. Scrooge started back, applauded. having been them shown the way to him. He tried to say, but find him words choked himself rather than the parties lie of such enormous magnitude. "Bet all yours," Scrooge said. Say no more." Our mans, said the spirit, looking down upon them, they have come to me, peeling from their fathers. his boy's ignorance, his scale is want. Beware them both. They all their degree, they must of all beware this boy, for his best spell I see written, which is doomed, lest his weaving is, is eased. Donate, said the spirit, stretching out his hand towards the city, land and owes who tell to you. Commit it from your fictitious feverishness. Make it worse and buy the time. Do you have you no know, refuge of resource? source? Cried Scrooge. There are no prisons, said Spirit, turning on him last time with his own words. Are there no workhouses? The door bell struck twelve. Scrooge looked out about him as a ghost and saw it not. As the spur stroke ceased to vibrate. He remembered the prediction of old Joy from Marley. Later in the eye beheld a solemn phantom. Draped and hooded, coming into mist along the ground towards him.